Father God, we just thank you today in this place that you are a good, good God and that everything you do is good. That Lord, your love does endure forever. And we thank you that even at times where we don't feel that love, it doesn't mean that you don't, that you stop loving us. Because Lord, you love us and love us and love us through every season. So Lord God, even when we don't feel it, we know it. Because we can stand true on your word that you promised never to leave us, never to forsake us, because you are a good God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Give someone a wave before you take your seats. It's so good to see you in the house of God today. And today is Palm Sunday. And that is the day where Jesus, as we've just heard, went into Jerusalem. And it was called a triumphant entry because everyone there expected Jesus to uh, zap the Romans and to take the city by force. They were expecting a, a military messiah. But it wasn't the city that Jesus was interested in capturing, not a physical city, but Jesus was interested in capturing our hearts. And that is so the same today because today Jesus is still in the business of wanting to capture our hearts. So I just ask us right now that we would have a heart posture ready to receive the word of God And I want to remind us today that God is faithful. Our world and our lives are going through tough times. You know, if we just listen to the news and even if we look at our diaries, we've gone through pandemic and now there's a war in Europe and there are so many things that we face where our lives are up and down and we are troubled. And Jesus says in John 16, 33, You will have trouble in this world. And I've got to help us understand that this world ain't heaven. We're not there yet. We will be one day when there won't be any more trouble. But right now, we are engaging, we are breathing in this living world. And this world has trouble. And if you've been on this earth any time, you will know that at some point or other, trouble hits your life. But it's in those times of trouble, in those seasons of trouble, that we have to We have to rely on our rock, our saviour, our God. And it is in those times that we experience more his faithfulness. And I want to look at three, three areas of our lives today where God is always faithful. He is always faithful in our lack. You know, when we are not when we are lacking stuff, God is the one who is faithful. He is always faithful in our losses. He is always faithful in our love. And to do this, I want to let's look at a story called Ruth. If you've got your Bibles with you, you can open it. And I would ask that you take some time to read that. I haven't got time today to unpack it all, but I'm going to just touch on a few scriptures. And the first thing we see in this story is that God is faithful in the area of lack. The story is that uh, um, this Jewish man called Emelemek, and he is quite well off, he's quite rich, and he's very comfortable, but the land that he's living in at the time, a famine hits. And when the famine hits, this guy is thinking, I can't do famine. 
I like my life to be comfortable. I don't want to hang around here. So he gathers his family together, his wife Naomi and his two sons called Malion and Kilion. And then they travel a little farther into the next country called Moab. And this seems okay to do. But you've got to remember that this place called Moab that they traveled to, that they moved to, is not a godly country. And it matters, the environment that you put your family in. You know, yesterday, my daughter and son-in-law, pastors Mike and Becky, they moved house. And they've gone closer into the center of Luton where they serve in that church. And when you move, it's, it's, it's hard You know, there's a lot of packing to do. There's a lot of lifting to do. There's a lot of sorting out to do. And that's why Pastor Jason isn't here today. He's he's preaching in our Luton church. But when you move, when you move home, it is a big deal. But this man, he thinks that it's, it's gonna be worth the big deal to take his family into a different environment. Now, Pastor Mike and Becky have taken their children into a good environment, a godly environment, a go- an environment that they will thrive in. But this man, Emma Lemick, he takes his family into an environment where they are serving foreign gods. It's okay to go into different cultures and learn different cultures. It's okay to go where there are different languages and different ways. But the difference here is he was putting his family into a place where they would be affected by the worship of that land. Some of the decisions we make for our families, some of the places where we choose to put our families into, the environments that we keep can cause us consequences. And as we read in this story, the consequences to this man's choice, they were quite drastic. They were quite tragic. In Ruth 1, 1, it says this. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. He's not intending to stay there. He's intending to weather out the famine season. But I've got to tell you, sometimes we just got to go through the famine seasons. Sometimes when lack hits our lives, it's a testing season. And if we would just stand firm and hold on to the promises of God, we will go through that season and come out the other side a better person. But Emma Lemick wants to jump ship And he wants to escape because he enjoys the comfort of his life. In the Bible, it says one of God's characteristics, one of his names is called Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. It's his character. It's who he is, that he is faithful to provide in our times of need, in our times of lack, In Genesis 22, remember when Abraham was sacrificing his son on the altar, he did it in such a confident way because God himself will provide the ram. He had such an assurance that in the time when he needed something to replace his son, in a time when he needed something to replace the lack, that God would turn up and God, Jehovah Jireh, would be his provider. Again, in Genesis 16, there's a lady called Hagar and she is abandoned and she is cast out and she has nothing and she doesn't know how she's gonna feed her son. 
But then she realizes that God is her provider and she calls him Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees. And when she says the God who sees, it explains that God Almighty is the one that sees us. Not only does he see us, but he sees what we need. So in our times of struggle, in our times where we are in lack, God Almighty is seeing into our situation. He perceives it. He knows what we need before we even realize it ourselves. So don't be surprised when we enter into seasons of lack. And as we face these next few days and months as we go throughout this year, for many of us, we are, we are facing a new situation that our bills are going to go higher and the cost of living is going to go higher. And for some of us, we are going to be in a little bit of lack. We're not going to be as comfortable as we were before. But this season is not a season to be fearful of. This season that you may be entering is not a season where you have to worry too much other than it's a faith opportunity. There was a time many years ago where Pastor Jason and I were at Bible college and we'd given up all our, um, our jobs to go there. We had no income and yet we still had bills to pay. We still had children to feed and we had no money at all. And for three years, we lived on faith. We lived on trusting God for each day. We lived on God bringing miraculous provision to get us through that season. And in those three years where we lived in a state of lack, of constant lack, in those times, our faith grew faster than it ever did before. When all the comfort is gone, when all the stuff is gone, when there is a lack in your life, it is the time where you have a faith opportunity for your faith to grow and trust in God as never before. You see, we don't always need stuff, but we always need him. And so in this season, this man, he's tried to escape this lack by jumping ship, by taking his family to a new location. But sometimes we have got to weather the storm. Sometimes we've got to stand our ground. In Philippians 4, it says this, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. This is Paul speaking. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to be in want. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this applies to you and this applies to me. There will be times in our life when we have so much and there'll be times in our lives where we are struggling and we have lack. But in all that time, God is the anchor of our soul. And he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. So next time you're in a situation where you're struggling, just consider this. It is an amazing opportunity for you to step into a step up in faith. 
an amazing opportunity for you to pull down the resources of heaven, an amazing opportunity for you to pray for your needs to your heavenly Father and test him in that area and allow your faith to grow in a faithful God who is always faithful to provide. The next step that we can learn from this story of Ruth is that God is not only a faithful God when we are in lack, but God is a faithful God in our loss. In Ruth 1, it then says in verse 5, Now Emelelik, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah, the other Ruth. And after they had lived there 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. This is tragic consequences. This is a tragic loss. I can't begin to imagine the pain that this woman was feeling, that she has lost her husband. And now she has lost her two sons. She has also lost the status that she previously enjoyed. She has lost security. She is a foreigner. She is much older. She feels abandoned. She feels alone. Her protection has gone. Her namesake has gone. Her companion has gone. Her provision has gone. Not only is she now in lack, but she is also in loss. She is devastated. She is destitute. She is demoralized. This woman is desperate. I don't know anyone in in church today or watching online how you're feeling right now, but I know there are times of loss that hits the core of our being. A couple of years ago, when my father died, my mother refused to be comforted. In fact, two years on, she feels that pain as if it was yesterday. There's a scripture in the Bible that tells us about Rachel refusing to be comforted when she'd lost her child. And those are the seasons, those are the times when loss hits us so hard that nothing will comfort us, nothing will put it right, nothing will take away the pain. Those are the times when Jesus comes alongside and Jesus is our comfort. This woman, Naomi, she is so much engulfed in unbearable pain that she says, don't call me Naomi because Naomi means good things. But call me Mara because Mara is bitter and my identity now, what I am known as now, what I am feeling now is bitter. I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm in pain and I am at loss. There are times in our lives when the emptiness is so profound that it floors us almost to the point of what is life worth living for? But this woman, Naomi, she knows God. It didn't take away the pain. It didn't take away everything that engulfed her at that season. But it took her to a place where she could cling to God. 
She went to the best place. She went to her God. She went to her rock. In Psalm 18, it says, the Lord is my solid rock. He is my fortress. He is my rescuer. My God is my rock and I take refuge in Him. It doesn't take away the pain completely, but it helps me. It enables me to cling to something strong, cling to something safe. He's my shield. He's my salvation strength. He is my place of safety. Naomi is a woman that has nothing left. And in those times where we have nothing left, he becomes our everything even more than before. He becomes our strength. He becomes our hope. He becomes our direction. He becomes our reason for keep going. But it's the comfort that the strength comes in. In 2 Corinthians it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles who comforts us in our loss. I wonder today, if you're listening to this message, whether you need that comfort from God. Whether you know him or whether you don't doesn't change the fact that in God, almighty God, there is an amazing comfort of the Abba Father that surrounds us, that comes alongside to heal our hearts, to comfort, to surround, and to help us get back on solid ground It is a comfort that restores. It is a comfort that rebuilds. It is a comfort that takes our hand and walks us through the grief. Our God is a faithful God in our loss. He takes hold of our hand and he helps us to walk step by step when we don't want to walk, when we don't want to get up, when we don't want to start the day because our hearts are so broken. And yet he is the one that comes down from heaven so intimate that he touches our hand and holds our hand and leads us through the days and leads us through the weeks and leads us through the months and leads us through the years. So that step by step, little by little, we keep on going. We keep on walking. And this is what happens in this story. So although Emelemic, when he was alive, took his family out of Israel and he took them to a place called Moab because he was trying to escape a famine season. But in this place, it ended up being a death and tragic season of loss. And now she is there alone. I believe that she sensed God's hand lifting her up. And I believe that he's saying, come on, Naomi, it's time to go home. It's time to come home. It's time to come back to me. Time to come back to the Father's heart. I wonder if you are hearing this today and you have wandered away from the things of God and God is saying, it's time to come back to me. He is always open-armed. He's always ready to take our hands, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've been through, no matter what has caused us to drift away. Almighty God is there ready saying, come back home. It's time, son. It's time, daughter. I have been waiting for you to return. 
maybe even to return to the house of God. And so they gather their stuff and they pack up once again, getting all the boxes. But this time, they don't have as many boxes because life hasn't been so good to them. They have only stuff that they can carry along a road. And they start off on their journey. There is Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. And the three of them have heavy hearts, heavy grief, and heavy loss. The girls have lost their husbands and father-in-law. And Naomi has lost her husband and her two sons. But they're going home. They're going home in sadness and bitterness. And the third area where God is faithful. God is faithful in his love towards us. And as they're traveling along the road, Naomi realizes she's going home, but these girls aren't going home. These girls are foreign girls. They belong in Moab. They're Moabite girls. She's going home to Israel. How will Israel receive these foreign girls that serve a foreign God? And so she stops in the path and she tries to convince her daughters-in-law to go back home to their own families, to go and find new husbands, to go and find a new life. They're at a crossroads of choice. A crossroad of choice that is going to change their life. And out of the two girls, Orpah, the first one, she, she finally realises, yes, I need to go to my home. And she turns about and she goes back to what she knows. She goes back to the comfort of where she came from. But Ruth holds on. Ruth, I can imagine what was going through her mind. She has spent 10 years with this woman and she has got to know her from a distance and close up. Ruth has watched her mother-in-law's life so closely and she has seen the way she prays. She has seen the way she does life. Ruth, although she's a foreigner, Ruth, although she doesn't know this God, her own gods fade into the distance as day after day and year after year, she sees the way that Naomi lives. She hears the way that Naomi talks. She sees the way that Naomi trusts in God time after time. She hears the prayers that Naomi is praying in season and out of season, when she has lack and when she has plenty. Naomi keeps on praying to her God. Eventually, Ruth starts to join in to the worship and starts to join in to a, a daily correspondence with this big God. She starts to have a daily dependence on this God and she starts to, she starts to have a faith that starts to trust in the God of Naomi. Our lives are a testimony to those around us whether they're in our workplaces or whether they're in our families or in our neighbourhoods People are watching the way we behave. They are listening to the words we say. They're looking to see how we respond to situations. How will we respond when we are in lack? How will we respond when we're in trouble? Will we go to who we know, our Heavenly Father? And now she's at this crossroads of her life. She is 
sick with pain from losing her husband. And now she's about to lose her mother-in-law because she's going to depart from her. And now she needs this God more than ever. She needs to trust in this God more than ever. She needs the anchor of his love more than ever because she has got such a storm going on that it's engulfing her. Here she has a faith test. You see, bereavement or loss of any kind is often a sudden change. And when we have a sudden change in our lives, we have to make choices to adapt. Choices because of that sudden change. And Ruth is at this crossroads in her life where she has to make a sudden change. A change that will change her life forever. And she chooses, she chooses to have the anchor in the storm. And she chooses to cling to Naomi and to cling to Naomi's God. And she says this, I love this. Ruth 1 verse 16. Don't urge me to leave you. Don't urge me to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will now become my people. And your God will become my God because I've watched you. I've seen how you trust in him. I've seen how he comes through for you. And I want that for my life. So your God is going to be my God. And where you die, I will die because I'm not letting go. And there I will be buried. And may the Lord, your God and my God, may the Lord deal with me ever so severely if even death separates you and me. And... I've just got to say, I think Jesus is speaking to you and me today through this. I think if we're in a place of lack or a place of loss or maybe everything's so fine a moment in our lives, but even so, these are the words of Jesus. We think we're going to cling to God in the times of our need. We think we're clinging to Jesus. But you know what? He's got us in his hands. He's holding us up. In some way, he's clinging to us because he loves us so much. And he's saying, don't urge me to leave you. <laughs> and don't, don't ask me to turn back because I ain't never turning back from you. Where you go, I'm going. Where you stay, I'm staying. Your people around you will be my people too. <laughs> I am your God. And where you die, I will be there. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely if even death separates us from God. This young woman, she has no husband. She has no children. She has no home. She has no money. She has no friends. She's right in the middle of her past life and her future life that runs in front. But what she has discovered, she has discovered something far more valuable than stuff, far more valuable than anything else. She has discovered God. 
And she declares on that road, on that crossroads of her life, and she declares, God will be my influence. God will be my direction. God will lead me. God will be my king. And she clings to Naomi and she's clinging to God because only God can be her anchor in this painful storm. Only God can put her feet back where they need to be. Only God can bring her joy in the future. Only God can give her a purpose and a hope for living. Only God can be her strength. Only God can be her help. And I'm with her right there. Only God. Because God has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I will take you by the right hand with my righteous right hand. So Ruth, in verse 122, it says this. So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, her foreign daughter-in-law. How, she didn't even know how she's going to be received in a place called Israel. And they arrived in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now this is important because a harvest time just so when they left, they, they, they were leaving a famine where stuff wasn't growing, where they were stuck for food, where there was, there was just lack. Now they've entered where there is a harvest and there is plentiful. But it tells me something else. They are arriving into their destination. They are going back into the bosom of God. They are going home at a time of when winter has gone. And for many of us, We've gone through a winter season and yet I just sense that we are about to step into a new season, a spring season, a season of plentiful, a season of abundance, a season of blessing, a season of newness, a season that God's hand of blessing is upon us. In Song of Songs, it says, My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come and eat with me. See, the winter is past. I know you've been through some stuff. I know you've been through some pain. I know your heart is damaged. I know you've been through some lack and you've lost stuff. You may have lost people. You may have lost jobs, you may have lost homes, but the winter is over. The rains are gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing, rejoicing, praising has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. That is a scripture for the season that we are about to enter into. If you open your eyes and see across the land of the UK, you can see spring trying to burst forth. It might feel a little colder than usual, but it is coming. And there is a sense of God saying to us, the winter is gone. It's a time to rejoice. There's a fresh hope. The famine has finished. And we know the story well. If you don't, please read it. It's only four chapters. It won't take you long. You can do it this afternoon. And when they get there, Ruth finds 
a job, she finds work, she finds provision, she finds some food, she finds a man called Boaz, and then she gets betrothed, she gets married to him, and then she's in a family where she belongs and finds belonging, and she is blessed abundantly. And so is Naomi, because in those days, it was an honour for the mother-in-law to be part of that family. And so Naomi and Ruth come into a land where they are blessed beyond measure. Ruth 4 says, Obed. You see, Obed was the baby that Ruth gave birth to. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. And as we know, that is the lineage of Jesus Christ. This is a broken woman that is the the grandmother the great, 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 great grandmother in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She is a foreigner. She's not even a Jew. And she's been married before. And yet God's grace covers her so much so that he blesses her and he puts her into a family, a family of importance, so important that it is the lineage of Jesus Christ. This story is an amazing story that takes us from a place of famine to a place of fruitfulness. It takes these people from a place of famine to a place of family. It takes them to a place where they realise the faithfulness of God. And God is faithful again and again and again. I can just imagine Naomi holding her grandson with wonder and gratitude and awe and peace. Because God has been faithful. You know, God is writing the same story for you and me. I wonder if the band are ready to come back a little bit earlier. My story. Before I was a Christian, I've been a Christian for 32 years. And before I was a Christian... I was a divorced woman, single mother. I had a toddler. I'd had a bad marriage. My lifestyle wasn't that good. And all I'd ever wanted in my life was to belong to a family, to have a family of my own. And so I was devastated by having such a short marriage that broke And now I was responsible for this little boy and I became very independent. I needed to provide for him. My heart was broken, but I patched it up because I didn't know God. I didn't know that anyone out there could possibly love me. I'd made so many mistakes. In fact, I went to church once I was invited and I was actually told that my kind wasn't welcome there because of what I was not wearing. (laughs) I was a bit scantily clad. But I was genuinely interested in church. But they asked me to leave because of what I was wearing. We don't do that here, thank goodness. But my heart had always longed to belong. Belong to my own family, belong to a group of people. And it just wasn't in my grasp Everything I touched was failing. And then one day, my boyfriend 
invited me to church and I said, I ain't going to church. I've been chucked out once. And I went into this church with him because he had become a Christian and he had changed so much. And so I went into this church and I didn't want to go in there. So I dressed as provocatively as I could to cause trouble. So I thought I'm going to get chucked out in style. But I walked into that place this time and I sensed love all over the place. I stared at people, I looked at them and they smiled back at me. I thought they were on drugs or something. And when the preacher got up to talk, I didn't have a clue what he was saying, but at some point he said, does anyone want Jesus in their heart? And I said, I do. I didn't even know what I was saying or why I was saying it. And he asked me to repeat a prayer and it was so simple, but I meant it. I wanted something. I'm gonna try Jesus. Dear Lord, and you can pray this in your heart right now. Dear Lord, I'm sorry for the stuff I've done. You call it sin, but I'm sorry for the stuff I've done. I've messed up. Forgive me and come into my heart. And at that very moment, I sense this like liquid love come from the top of my head all over me. I felt peace, a peace like deep within that I couldn't explain. And I was changed forever. I've got a longer story to tell, but I haven't got time to tell it now. But I walked out of that church completely different. A little later, my boyfriend and I, we got married. His name's Jason. He's now the pastor of this church. And then later on, God blessed us. And we had other children. And years later, now I felt content. Now I felt loved. I was in God's family. I had my own family. And then God took me to a scripture that I'd never seen before. And it's in Psalm 68 verse 6. And it says, God sets the lonely into families. And that was me. God had seen my lack. He had seen my loss. And yet he was so faithful in his love that even before I knew him, he paved the way for me to know him. He paved the way because he had something set up for me. He had a different life set up for me. He had a family set up for me. He had a great big church family that goes right around the world set up for me. And now I can declare that I am part of God's family, that I belong, that I am loved, that I am whole, that I am healed. And that is my story, but your story is the same. Your story can be the same. Your story today can be the same because it's the same God yesterday, forever and always. God loves you. God loves you and He wants to fulfil your lack. He wants to comfort you in your loss and He wants you to experience His love because he is faithful. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. 
You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And then God says He is able to do immeasurably more in you, more than you ever ask, more than you ever imagine, according to His power when you let Him work through us. Church, are you willing, are you wanting to allow God to work through your life today? If that's you, I just want you to stand to your feet if you are able all around this place and if you are watching at home if your heart is hungry enough to say Lord I need you maybe you've been a Christian for such a long time but now you need God afresh today Father God For all these people that are standing, they are responding to you. They are reaching their arms to you, Lord God, right now. And we are asking, Lord, for fresh provision. We know that you are a faithful God. And Lord, where there is any lack, we know that you are the God who provides. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God that provides. And we call upon you today. We reach into heaven today and we pull down your grace and your favour upon our lives. And Lord, those of us that are carrying loss in our hearts right now, we ask, Lord, that you would come alongside, that you would be the comforter, that, Lord, you would restore everything that the locusts have eaten, that, Lord God, you will place upon your rock, that you will hold us strong, that you will take us by the hand and that you will lead us and you will lift us up. And, Lord God, we know and we trust in your faithful love that it never changes, no matter how far we stray from you. So Lord, in this place, we are saying we are coming back, Lord. We are coming back to you, Lord, today. And we ask right now that you would fill us afresh in the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. And for those that have never understood or never trusted Jesus as their Saviour, Lord, we pray right now together. Lord God, if you are in this place today, say that prayer that I said. Lord God, forgive me. I ask you to come into my life right now. And I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit and fill me with your love in Jesus' name. Amen. All God's people said, Amen. Let us praise Him. Let us rejoice Him. Have a great week.